Cash money records taking over for the 99 in the 2000. Welcome to Screaming in Silence, Season 1, Episode 2. I am Nikki Free. Last, we left off um, with my stepdad entering the picture. Uh, things were pretty unclear at this time uh, with me of where I stood and where, not where, but how my mom really felt about me. Um, she had went through some tough times with um, some guys she was dating and I kind of got the feeling that she was just looking to, I guess, be happy, if you will. I would always hear her um, speaking to her sisters about just wanting to get married and settle down. I still had this uneasy feeling that I was in the way, but... I just kind of rolled with it. It kind of also spilled over into my school life. I began to not really have the same types of friendships that I had before. I kind of feel like I was almost trying to stay out of the way of everyone, if you will. I started out as a very competitive, very smart very confident child, uh, extremely happy. And through, as time passed and through going, you know, and after going through things with uh, my mom and her tumultuous relationships with different people and just life in general, the things that happened, um, things that go on when you live with a single mom, I, I just kind of I kind of lost some confidence, you know, and when I say things that go on, I should probably clarify that things that go on when you live with a single mom that really is to the point where she probably is coming to the realization that having a child at such a young age wasn't the best idea. Um, not to mention the fact that her sisters were, she was starting to see like her sister, I shouldn't say sisters, plural, but her sister that she was closest to, she had gotten married. Um, well, she was already married and she actually got married twice. But at any rate, her, the point is my mom really at this point in her life wanted to be married and she had not been married. So when she met my, um, soon to be, or I should say future, uh, stepfather, she, I think really wanted to lock him down, you know, and she, I think she had come to the point where she was just tired of dating because of the things she had been through. So I, again, was kind of in the background. I didn't really have a relationship with my stepdad. I was just out of the way. Um, I mean, my mom was doing her thing. She was dating him. And mostly I spent a lot of time with my grandmother who actually lived across the street, which was actually fabulous because I had my cousins and my aunts um, who were close to my age as well. And so it was always a lot of family around and I got to spend time with them and kind of also give my mom a break, which was when, when I think for everyone. 
Um, and then things kind of took a change. I um, came home. I would say at this point, I am ooh, about 10. And at this point, um, my mom, she had pretty much, I was like 10 or 11, maybe 11 actually. Um, I'm going to fast forward to that time. And my mom had dated her, uh, my future stepfather for a while. And I guess they had decided to get married. And they got married, and I'm thinking when I was about 11 or so, they were already married, and, well, I should say like 10, yeah, 11, they were already married, and my mom um, started to change a bit. I recall um, coming home from school, and she would already have food ready for me, like kind of on like a tray. And then she would have like candy, things that, you know, little kids would like. And she would tell me to go to my room. You know, I would go to my room and she would tell me to lock the door and do not come out. Now, at this point, um, it, it's, it's a little fuzzy. I think I had a, uh, I want to say I had a bathroom in my room or I had a way to get to the bathroom that would, I, we had a hallway, I remember, but I know I could get to the bathroom either through my room or somehow so I wouldn't disturb them. So that was pretty much my life. Like every day I would go to school, I would have a normal life. I, I would, you know, be with my friends or, you know, my cousins, my aunt, whatever. We'd go to school and everything would be normal. And then I would come home to my new normal of just getting my food and going in my room. And I remember that was it. I just had this food. And I remember having a lot of candy and I remember having a little TV in my room, a little small TV. And that's pretty much what I did. I, I, I did that after school. And one day, it's very vivid, I came out of the room and I saw, I don't know if I got up too early or I don't know if they ended up staying out up too late. I don't know, but I went into the kitchen and there, I can picture it to this day, there was bacon soda and there was um, a mirror and the mirror had white substance on it. And I was thinking to myself, wow, you know, even though I was young and I didn't grow up, I grew up in a, this was, we lived in a small town. I, I didn't know anything at that point about drugs or anything bad, really. My grandmother was super religious, and I spent a lot of time with her, and all she was doing was telling me, you know, pretty much don't do anything or you're going to go to hell. So I pretty much was lived a kind of sheltered life. All I knew about was to just do good. And although I grew up this way, I knew that there was something strange, something bad about this mirror, the white substance, the baking pot. I knew that there was something wrong with all this stuff that was on. It was on our dining room table. So I remember going to the refrigerator and getting whatever, you know, for breakfast and leaving, going, you know, heading off to school with my um, relatives, like whoever I was going with. I don't know. I, I just know my grandmother was across the street and she would, you know, take us to school. I never, I remember that day. I don't remember seeing my mom that day. And I definitely don't remember seeing my stepdad. And so I went off to school and I was thinking to myself, what is, you know, what in the world? 
But then once I got to school, it was like I didn't remember. It's like I was living two separate lives. You know, I could completely, completely pretend that I had a normal home life and I could completely block out all the weird stuff that was going on. I could block out being locked in my bedroom as soon as I got home from school, not having any type of communication when I came home. I could totally block all of that out once I got to school. You know, like I, that part didn't exist. It, it, it seems like it didn't even phase me. And then I would come home and it was like a routine. And all of this went on. And then all of a sudden, um, for some reason, they wanted to relocate to a different state. And I don't know why, but I remember my mom was going to quit her job. And when she quit her job, she was going to get all this money. And I remember her, you know, I just remember I was young, but I knew that she was going to get all this, this money. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to get this money. She's going to get this money. And so I remember asking her for a pair of shoes. I remember saying, I want these particular shoes, whatever shoes those were at the time. I, I have no idea. I don't remember, but I do remember wanting shoes, tennis shoes. And at the time my mom said, sure, you know, I'll get them for you. And once I get the money and then I remember it was like excuse after excuse, you know, for, you know, why I wasn't getting the shoes or she would just make up that I did something wrong, that I didn't deserve the shoes. And I was so confused. I'm like, I just want these shoes. And then I remember either she some, somehow skated out of getting the shoes. She told me that she was, she ended up getting a lot less money than she thought and I just remember being so let down by these shoes. But, and I just didn't understand because all I knew was that she was going to get this particular money. And I recall that she, I know she was really, um, her and my grandmother had a really strange relationship. And I remember she always wanted to present um, a certain type of status to my grandmother. Like, oh, I can, she, she liked to give my grandmother things and make my grandmother feel that she was more than what she was. And, and this may have been a way of her making my grandmother, maybe this was her way of uh, just trying to have her mother be proud of her. I'm not sure. I know they didn't have the best um, relationship being that she got pregnant at such a young age and maybe she was trying to mend it. I don't know. I was too young to know why all this was happening and why she was giving my grandmother uh, things to try to, I guess, win her over. But I remember she, um, it was strange because she didn't even really give my grandmother the things that she normally gave her. And that was odd too, because she was getting all this money. So it was just really strange. And then I remember it was time for school, time to go to school. And every year, I mean, it was like tradition. We all got school clothes. You know, all of us got school clothes. So this was the time of year that we, we it was time to get school clothes. But at the same time, we were also going to be moving. But not right away. So, you know, I'm still going to be going to this school uh, where I'm at, where we were located. And then we will be moving, like, I guess, in the middle of the school year. So I was waiting to get school clothes. And I remember my mom, she came in with a few little flimsy things. 
that weren't really like sturdy school clothes that I'm used to getting as a kid. It was just like these little, maybe like a t-shirt or something, you know, like really like inexpensive little things. Um, and I don't even remember if they were new. I just remember her coming in with something that was so different from what I was used to getting. And I want to make sure I bring this back because my point of this is not to say that I was always focused on material things. The point of me telling you all this is to let you know that like any, any kid, you know, there was things that I wanted and there was things that, you know, I was kind of accustomed to. And uh, I'm just trying to show the drastic change in which um, the decline <laughs> kind of, uh, so you can kind of see the decline and how things just change uh, very quickly, actually. And I just kept up with the being locked in the room. I kept up with the um, everything. And I just remember uh, going to school and everybody had their new clothes on. And I remember the night before school, I took some, I got my, uh, some clothes that weren't new, but I ironed them really good. I remember like really ironing them, thinking that that was going to make them like new and I remember going to school and it was like everyone knew that I didn't have new school clothes. Like, cause for some reason at this particular time, and I'm not sure if it's like that now, but something about that first week, everything needs to be new and everybody is like having their best foot forward. And I didn't have that. And I just remember feeling like such, you know, a loser basically. And I remember still loving my mom dearly and not just wanting to, I just didn't want to say anything. And because my mom had, before this, pretty much bought me things. You know, she had got me things. That was her way of showing her love, I felt. She would get me things. Nobody really said much because I feel like my grandmother and my aunts, they all felt like she was buying me too much stuff anyway. So they're like, good. It's good you're cutting back. But the point of this is nobody really looked into why did she cut back? You know, no one looked back, looked into that because they just figured, well, it's time. So fast forward to, um, it's time for us to move to another state. And at this point to say, well, my, um, mom and her husband definitely were using drugs. Um, more and more and more, um, they were freebasing and, I definitely saw a change in the house. The food, the quality of food, it went to all processed food. I mean, everything was processed and cheap. Um, you know, hamburger, helper, whatever, just something cheap. And, you know, it wasn't much of it at all. And the quality, I remember, like, we used to have dinners where we cook. I mean, everything. And then everything just changed. And everything just got very tight. And I just remember it was just odd, but I just still, it didn't matter. I still just love my mom to death. And as a child, I just feel like you can adapt to so many things. It's just like, you don't really question things. And especially um, the way I grew up, I grew up not to question things. So a lot of things that people today may question, I definitely did not have the balls to question. And then I recall my mom um, saying, you're going to stay here. You're not going to go with us. We're going to leave you here because you're in school. Um, so you're going to stay, you know, with your grandmother. And I, that was it for me because I'm like, no, I'm not. Like I couldn't, I was thinking to myself, I couldn't, I didn't say no, I'm not to her, but I remember 
pleading with her, begging her, please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. Like, cause I really, really loved my mom. I really, really, really wanted to be with her. And I just couldn't imagine not leaving, you know, although I had all my friends there and my family, I just couldn't imagine not having my mom, even, even with everything that was going on. And even though I really didn't spend that much time for her, there was just this connection that I had to her. I didn't want to be away from her at all. And so somehow I persuaded her to let me go. I think, I know I cried and begged and begged and begged and begged. And somehow she convinced her husband. And, you know, the thing about it is, I think the point is they were on drugs. And I think they were trying to, you know, not spend money if they didn't have to. You know, they didn't want to spend money on another kid, you know, feeding another mouth. And at this point, my mom also uh, was pregnant. So, and I'm not sure how all of this worked out, but I, I don't know how her drug use was when she was pregnant. I, I was just too young to know about all of that, but she was pregnant. And the whole pregnancy for me is a blur. My mom's pregnancy is a blur. I don't remember what happened within those uh, months. It's just all a blur. It doesn't come back to me. But I remember my mom having the baby. The memory that I, the closest memory that I can think of is uh, my mom having the baby and us being outside of this two-story apartment complex with stairs that led up from the outside. The doors were on the outside. Everything was wide open on the outside. So you can look up and see the doors that they walked into. And by this time, we had already left uh, my grandmother's area and we had went to another state. And I just recall my sister being in the car seat. And I remember being in that car for what seemed like overnight. I mean, we were in that car. It, my sister was newborn and I was, you know, a kid. Um, and we were in that car forever. We were just in the car forever. And now that I think about it, yeah, my, my, my mom, she had, uh, she actually had the baby before we left the state. I, I it's all before we left uh, my grandmother's area and moved to out of state she had the baby uh, but the baby was very young once we did move and now that now I remember it and I just recall sitting in the car with that baby and I just remember my sister was asleep I was asleep it was late it was at night and they stayed up there forever. And now I know they were at a drug house. I mean, I know that, you know, that's what they, where they were. And even then I knew, I knew they were doing that. I knew they were doing this forbidden thing that, you know, I wasn't to speak about. And so they came back down and they, they kept this up for, I don't know how long. This just kept going on and on. And then it got to the point where I never got anything. No school clothes at all. I remember um, as the years passed on, um, passed by, sorry, we would not have food. I remember no food. 
in the house. I remember my stepdad used to make fun of me and say, oh my God, you're going to eat all of that? And I was remember just being so hungry. And what he was saying was all of that was such a small amount of food. It was just, there was no food. And I, and I just, they would just started to kind of taunt me and just started just making fun of me when it came to food. And I, I feel like um, that's when I kind of developed this thing with food. It was like a little bit of, of it developed when they first started giving me all this food um, and then shoving me into the room and locking the door so that way I would have food and candy. I, I, I kind of, this whole relationship with food kind of started then because that food and the TV was all pretty much all I had when I got out of school. And then after that, after the drugs got really heavy and the money got really tight, then it was kind of like the reverse. It was like they wanted me to be okay with not having any food. <laughs> and when I did ask for food, it was almost like they were like, well, you don't need to eat, you know. And my on my dad's side, my real father, uh, the they're really obese, like, a lot of um, obese people on that side of the family. And my mom just always said, you're going to end up looking like them. And it was just all this verbal abuse from her. And also her husband, just when it came to food, it was just like, so I began to, I feel like I wanted to eat more. I felt like I just remember when I would go to my friend's houses, I, I just always wanted to eat. I would just always ask them, like, oh, can I have seconds? Can I have this? And I just was always, whatever, whenever I went to someone's house, I always wanted to eat. That was the thing. Food, food, food. I wanted to eat. And I remember some of my friends even teased me about it because it was, it was kind of strange, but I just had this weird relationship with food. And at any rate, as the time went on, the drugs, um, we, with the drugs, things just got really, really bad. And we moved all the time. Um, we would live in these shithole places and we were just constantly moving. And I remember just trying to, at this point, uh, it got really bad once I got to like my 13 uh, years old or so. It got really bad. And I was in that awkward phase where I was trying to meet friends. I was a very, very eccentric teenager. Um, just different, I would say, than the average teenager. I, you know, I had friends, but not um, a ton where uh, I could really, I guess, be a, I don't want to say normal teenager, but I didn't really do a lot of things that you probably would do as a teenager because I didn't have that freedom due to the fact that I had drug addicts at home. I didn't want anyone to know. I didn't really go anywhere. I didn't really, it, it was just really tough. So once I was able to, um, I, I, you know, make some decent friends, it still was really hard because I, I couldn't even invite them over. It was just a weird situation. I remember I would want to talk to people on the phone, whether it was guys or my uh girlfriends or what have you and I know remember our phone was always disconnected I just remember we never had a freaking phone I remember this was back during the times where people actually had house phones but 
I didn't have a phone. And I remember walking to the payphone to call people. And I just remember everything just being so strange. But throughout this whole situation, my mom was just not around. She was, I mean, it was just like she was a figment of my imagination. It, be, it became weirder and weirder. And she was just around less and less. And I, I don't know, I didn't know anything. It's like she left me so soon to the drugs that she never really had the opportunity to teach me like so many things that I needed to know in life. So I kind of like just winged it. I, and I remember just going to school and I remember just wanting to be like anybody that was normal. And I remember going to everyone else's house and seeing how everyone else dressed and how they did their hair. I didn't have a way to do my hair at home. I didn't have a way to you know, do all these things that they were doing because I lived with addicts. We didn't have anything. We didn't even have, everything was sold. Anything that could be sold was sold at this point. Everything was at the pawn shop. They pawned everything. So I was living in a home where things were just chaotic at all times. And at this point, I still didn't see the bad in my mom. You know, I was, you know, I, I was, a teenager, you know, I, of course we had issues, but at this point, by the time I was like 14, I started like spending the night with friends and just started to kind of do a little bit of my own thing. But at the same time, I was still very, very eccentric. I remember I was a huge, huge, huge Prince fan because Prince was so weird and different, but it was cool. So he made me feel like everything is going to be okay, you know? And I remember looking um, at him and just thinking, oh my gosh, like I was just in awe of him. And, and, and that's the only time I had a little bit of happiness was when I listened to Prince's music and when I, you know, saw his videos or what have you. And I remember um, my uncle, who was my favorite uncle at the time, he introduced me to Prince. I'll never forget when I was a kid, maybe like four years old, he told me about Prince and he, well, I shouldn't say he told me about Prince, but he introduced me to Prince's music because I always loved music growing up. I was really, really into music. I loved it. I, I was just a very, that was just my outlet was music. Um, so I had that. So basically I was living in a world where it wasn't reality. Like when I went to school, I had to pretend like I had normal parents. You know, and I remember just kind of like letting people kind of walk all over me. I remember not really standing up for myself much at school. And I remember just kind of going through the motions to get through everything. And then it happened. One day I went to spend the night with a friend. And I was probably about at this time 15. Um, now, keep in mind the throughout this time things were still going on all the drugs i mean no proper food um living in shitholes electricity off i remember so many times we didn't have hot water for baths i had to boil uh water on the stove to make hot water so i could take a bath because they didn't pay the gas bill um our lights were off a lot never had a phone it was just this life, you know, it was just this weird life. And as the years went on, I kind of enjoyed the escape to school and other friends and what have you. 
And then by the time I was 15, um, I met a friend and who really wasn't my friend. And that's just it, too. At this particular time, this is where I learned to... I didn't know because I, I, the way my mom treated me, I didn't have a good idea of what was supposed to be the proper treatment. You know, I didn't realize that I had value or how I should be treated, I guess. I just didn't expect much. And I remember I had this friend and um, I, I should say classmate, actually. And I spent the night and my mom never came and got me, you know, so I the next day and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. And that one night sleepover ended up turning into three months. My mom was gone for three months. Well, this is where I'm going to end um, this week's episode. I will be back next week to continue. I hope you enjoyed Screaming in Silence. If you have any questions or concerns or just want to chat, you can feel free to reach out to me at no you oh actually it's no and then letter u and then don't know me 77 at gmail.com so that's uh n-o the letter u d-o-n-t-k-n-o-w me 77 at gmail.com or you can reach out to me on twitter at peace n-e P-E-A-C-E-N-E, or you can reach out to me on Know You Don't Know Me on Instagram. I hope you guys enjoy life, enjoy the rest of your day, and I hope you continue listening. Thank you.